Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is April 15th. We're halfway through the month, and... With everything that's going on, I think it is a beautiful time of year, but maybe not today. It's a little cloudy, it's melting, it's mushy, the gardens are looking leafy, and yes, there may be bits of doggy doo-doo out there, but we're planting seeds, and now as we go through the greenhouse, you know what? It is beautiful. It gives you that inspiration that something is happening and everything is good. It's all about planting the seeds because the seeds of a garden is like life. It gives us a sense of pride to grow. It gives us peace. It gives us the happiness. And I have to say, everyone is happy when they're in their gardens. And we're happy too when we're planting seeds. I wish you could see all the love. I'm learning how to grow. I planted seeds, watered the lot, and impatiently observed what I would have in time. Some seeds grew to bear lovely fragrant flowers, others failed. I grew sad seeing what I didn't grow, blaming myself for circumstances out of my control. But then I grew wiser, my happiness was renewed when I found out that I could learn from the failures I observed. Life is too short to expect instant flowers, to have perfect growth. No time for instant happiness, no space for love on demand. I'm learning how to water this garden of love and passion, truth and sorrow, and create a new beauty like the ones I've envisioned in my mind. I'm planting these seeds, waiting for all the love to finally grow and grow and grow. One step at a time, one morning of sunshine, one night of rest and darkness, one moment to water, one afternoon to contemplate, all the growth and the rest I need to take in order to do and be more. I'm planting my own seeds and here I am waiting patiently while I'm learning how to thrive as my luscious garden grows. It's April 15th and yes as I look out the window I see more I guess lawn and maybe some you know patios than I do snow. It is definitely going away and as we see it slowly losing our white color or lack of color we envision in our mind what we're going to be doing. It brings us to a spur to sort of say, okay, let's get going. Let's start planning. And planning the garden is probably at this time on a cloudy, cooler day. Yeah, grab a cup of coffee. But first, grab a cup of coffee and listen to the Lawn Garden Show. And then you can actually get out there and start planning your garden. Now, we started looking at different types of aspects and uh, looking at where things can go and what we can do with things. We kind of started a conversation with uh, Carrie from uh, down south. 
I think it was in Virginia there that was in there. And we were talking about landscaping or changing our gardens. And as gardeners do, there's always that spur to start something new or to add something or to change something. Lift, divide. These are all sort of, I'm going to say the word, yep, it's garden work, but it's the love of gardening that we have the passion to get out there and do things and regenerate and create something that we love. No one else has to like it. If you do it and you love it in that location or you love where you place something in your garden, it's the love that it gives back to you, right? It makes you happy. It gives you that happy place feeling that's in you that makes it go. So the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. Before we get into the hardcore of sort of maybe some landscaping or planting tips, there are a couple quick things I want to throw out to you because it's things that are happening uh, right now and I see it in my own yard as well. So I'm thinking, if I see it, maybe it's a call to action for you guys to take a look outside to see what is going on. Now, I think we did a little bit of a, a mention of it last time was the rascally wabbits with being, sorry, I had to just say it like that. <laughs> the, the rabbit damage that is incurring now that the snow is down and also the trees are more evident around their bases, maybe there's a little bit of vole damage that's on our trees and shrubs. This is the time that you're easy to put on the little rubber boots, maybe walk into that moist areas and do a little bit of check on them because a this is the time that you want to prevent more damage yes more damage because there's not a lot of green grass out there for those rabbits to go to so they still like to chew on the sweetness of some of their plants now before we answer that i know that there's callers out there we're going to go try and get as many callers in in between my conversation so we're going to go right to marjorie hi marjorie hello Hi, thank you for holding. How are you? Well, you're welcome. Fine, thank you. And where are you calling from today? Portage. Portage. Well, is it as cloudy in Portage as it is in Winnipeg? Yes, it is. Yeah, well, you know, I, I almost wish that we would get a nice, I don't want to say the rain, but it's nice when the, we get enough of a gentle rain that it kind of washes things away, you know? But yes. uh, hopefully we don't get too much moisture in some, for some areas that will get a little bit of flooding. But uh, otherwise, how can we help you today? Um, I usually go uh, Dutch uh, onion sets. Okay. And they don't go as big. Very, they don't go, like they should be really big, and they're not. So what am I doing wrong? The, with the Dutch onion sets, they're not yes. as big. No, they, they grow, but like I plant them and they do grow a, a, a little bit, but not as big as they should be. Okay. Now, are you putting them in at the right time frame? Because sometimes we will not get full maturity or full sizing on plants, A, if they're planted too late. Um, there could be areas where if you're thinking there's could be other elements that affect the pattern of a growth of a plant too as well, like too much moisture or um, a dry spells because then they don't sort of plump up to their thickness, right? Of what that that onion should be for um, its optimal storage period, right? Well, the thing is, they did grow good. I mean, they're nice and green, and but they just didn't get the as big as I figured they should get. And um, I always watered them, so that wasn't the problem there. Yeah. Hmm. Um, did you put any little bit of fertilizer and that kind of stuff that was on it at all? 
Well, he uh, put uh, some fertilizer on, like he, organic uh, sheep manure, early that spring. Okay. All right, because to my understanding, some of the um, some of the Dutch sets that you have should be like it's a it's a larger onion set, right? Almost like um, um oh geez, I used to play tennis, like a tennis ball, right? Yeah, I was in there. Yeah, so it's on there. So I would probably try putting a little bit um, try putting a little bit of iron in there and maybe a little bit of calcium in with it. Maybe that will stimulate to get a little bit because I know that they like. Um, a little bit more of that potassium, the calcium, and magnesium. So if you can get some fertilizer that has a little bit of that ratio that's in there, that may stimulate that a little bit, okay? I can see that garden had been used for a couple of years, so it's, uh, it, you know, he didn't grow much in there for a couple of years, and then now I, I have a bigger garden there, and everything else seemed to grow good except my onions didn't. Okay. Try changing the location. Is there an area that you could do crop rotation and maybe not choose in that location? Because if you had a larger garden in there before, uh, try changing it. Because in certain aspects, it, I don't know what was planted there before, but some plants will deplete that area with what nutrients other plants may require a little bit more of. So if you have a chance, just try rotating or putting it into a different location to see if it's a test on that, okay? That's probably well, what I would well, suggest. I just wonder if too wasn't because it's heavy soil out there. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. If you're yes, it could. If you are have heavy, heavy clay soil, um, you could lighten it up. And you, we see that because uh, it reminds me. And you're going to make me giggle because I used to go to my grandma's place in Russell. That was my other grandma, and I always wondered why some of her carrots were beautifully long, like ten inches, and others I could have um, probably little. Men walking around where they, <laughs> they have different shapes. They would have two legs to a carrot. And I always would figure, well, why on this end of the garden do they all look stubby? And back in those days, nobody grew stubby uh, carrots. They, you know, they had big families to feed. They wanted bigger carrots. But uh, it could be that too as well. And that's maybe another conversation where we could say, okay, if you think that you can amend your gardens, because um, that's something that we're probably going to talk about in the next few weeks coming up because right now they're way too wet to do any amending. Try lightening up that area. Add some compost uh, in there to see if you can lighten up and break that up. Um, if you have clay buster, if you've ever used clay buster, clay buster has a property that helps to break up the binding elements of our natural clay soils for a while. Okay? Okay, and then one quick question. My- sure. My Christmas cactus or Easter cactus, whatever you want to call it, it finally bloomed, but it had very few blossoms, and they didn't. They only lasted two days, then they fell off. Ooh, okay, that's probably a stress factor of something that's happening to it. So, um, were you able to have it transition? Because with the zygos or the cact- Easter holiday cactus, they like to have a little bit of a, a temperature drop that's on there, and they also like um, sort of that where I kind of call night and day light factor timing that's on it. So if you finally got it to set pattern, um, that's a good thing. But there was probably another little influence that may have caused it to abort its blooms. Well, I had it usually, um, it's in the living room and it, it doesn't get much sunlight. That could be another problem too. Yeah. Well, if it likes to have, when you want to set a time frame on it, if you're sitting in the living room and you disrupt that night-day temp- uh, night lighting, 
it, that could change some of the pattern that's on there. So try, try it this way. Give it a little bit of a rest. And when you need to, uh, we sometimes do it with, um, well, here, we would do it with huge uh, blankets of uh, black clothing uh, to give us a longer extended nighttime hours. But for you, you could place it in a room that gets darkness that you're not going to interrupt it with a, a light being turned on and see if that makes the switch no joke or intended there. <laughs> make well, the make it click to make it set a bud again, but it probably wouldn't set bud right away. It'll probably take a few couple months, okay? Well, actually, I had in my uh, ex, my spare bedroom for about two months yeah. and in the dark, Yep. And then I brought it out and it didn't bloom. Oh, okay. Okay. So you did the right thing then. Hmm. Yeah. And then I just kind of left it and put it in the, uh, on my kitchen table. Uh, it, I, it's uh, facing north, the window. And all of a sudden I saw blossoms on it, but they didn't. They did didn't they just. Last. Okay. So did they fully open or did they go to a bud form and then drop? No, they fully opened and they were on there for about two days and then they fell off. Okay, there had to have been something else that uh, I don't know the other conditions that were set to it because sometimes if you get a disruption in something or there's another influence that's causing it to abort, which, you know, uh, temperature drop could sometimes do that. If you don't have enough moisture too or if you've overwatered at some point, it could happen too as well. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I don't go to overwatered. I water only uh, at least once a month, and I don't know whether that's enough or not because I put my finger way down the soil, and it was pretty dry. Okay. Well, they can go quite dry between, but in, when they're in the bud set form, they don't like to go con- consistently bone bone dry. That's on there. I always find that there has to be a little bit of a a little bit of a moisture, not damp, not soggy, but a little bit more moisture on it when anything is in a blooming pattern. Yeah, okay. well, okay, I'll try that and see what I can do. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, okay. let me know if it works. If not, then we have to delve deeper into the inquiry for you, okay? Well, the dark room didn't do any good because I had in there for, like I say, what a good two months, and it was cool in there and yeah. it was dark in there, and I brought it out, and it didn't do nothing. Well, you what you need is dark, but you need dark with light as well. It's not just solid darkness. Oh, they got some light in the daytime. Yeah, during day. Okay, good, good. Okay, yeah, that's good. Okay, thank okay, you. I'll keep, okay, I'll keep trying. Oh, keep trying, and you know what? Yeah. Sometimes, Marjorie, some plants. I know we need a commercial break in here. We're going long, but we just have to sort of say sometimes some plants are just as stubborn as people. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, thanks okay. for calling, Marjorie. Okay, okay. thank you. Bye. You're very welcome. And that's so true. Sometimes uh, plants just need a little kickstart, and sometimes they just set their own patterns. And I know that our fingers are itching to get into the gardens, but there are some things that, uh, like I said, it's taking the cup of coffee, walking around. I call it kind of do a little garden tour or assessment of your yards. It's a good time to do that. And on your walk, maybe take a little bit of a plastic bag with you because I know that there's a lot of things that get blown into the yard that we can do a little bit of light cleaning up of stuff. And that includes a little bit of, uh, yeah, and, you know, we're going to talk about doggy doo-doo. It's good to get it up and off the lawn now before we get some more damages because there are some tips and tricks that we can do to help rectify the lawn of those damages 
uh, that we can do once the ground has warmed up and once the ground has dried up. We won't be doing any of that bef before that, but that's a conversation to have a little bit later coming up. But it's just giving us an assessment of the art, assessment of what can be done. And if you're looking around too and you're seeing a little bit of doggy doo-doo, there, there's also rabbit doo-doo is that it's going to give you an indication of where they've been and also where if you're looking for areas of damages and that kind of stuff, okay? Those rabbits have been doing a lot of stuff that's been happening. Now, if you're looking at your trees and you see that there's a little bit of a damage that's happening to it, what I want you to do is um, either uh, collar, get out the tree collars. If you don't have any tree collars, not try and wrap something around that bark so that it can prevent the rabbits from coming back for the next little bit because once they know they have that food source they may come back again now by putting a um, you know economical kind of tree spiral band on it they're not going to chew through the plastic they're going to go somewhere else and hopefully not to the neighbor or maybe to the neighbor you might want to tell them to to guard their trees but you can also look at maybe using Scoot. It's a product that you can spray on some of your shrubs because the shrubbings that's on there, they may be eating some of the tips if they're not going after the main trunks of the tree itself. So a little bit of the Scoot, it has to be applied perfectly at this time around uh, plus four or higher that's on it. It gives kind of that whitish cast and it will actually prevent them from nibbling because it doesn't have a very good taste to it at all. Now, two other things that you can be looking at, and we had one lady that came in this week and she was just so devastated that one of her trees was completely girdled, what we call girdled all the way around. And that's when you see on a tree, or most likely trees, not necessarily in shrubs, but on a tree where you see that you will have um, the outer bark is completely eaten. And sometimes they'll just eat a strip up and down or they'll eat a strip or a piece of it all the way around. And when they're eating it, it's almost like the how much or how deep they've gone into the cambium or into the bark, because we know that the old wood is in the inner portion of it. Right? You know, when you count the rings of a tree, the outer rings are the live cambium that has all that good xylem and phloem, which is their technical terms for the tree to live on. So when they eat down too far, you get the exposed old wood on there. And if it's, unfortunately, if it's girdled all the way around, there could be a demise coming to that tree later on. If, fortunately, if they have sort of eaten just a little strip and you still have that outer wrap, maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of it coming or wrapping around that trunk of the tree, trees will naturally kind of heal themselves. It's like creating like a, on us, if we get a cut, we'll have a scabbing effect that it'll slowly, those, that scab will come together and eventually heal itself. If you want to, sometimes leaving them exposed can open it up to bugs getting in further when spring happens. You can use a little bit of a, a pruning paste or a grafting uh, paste that's on there that you got on it. And it even brings us into sort of um, bridge grafting, but that's pretty intense. And bridge grafting is trying to reconnect that tissues from the lower portion of the tree to the upper portion of the cambiums to get that tissues reconnected. Now, what I want to tell you, though, is in some aspects, a lot of the times you'll think that 
the tree is starting to leaf. It's starting to have its bud set, but I have this rabbit damage down below. It's not dead. You have to remember that a tree in its life cycle will take up the energy and the moisture and everything it needs for the next season in the fall so that it has the energy to go. When it's ready to go in the spring, it's bursting forth. The buds are going to set. So if that connective tissue has been stopped, the tree will have energy in its upper canopy and its upper portion to leaf out and probably flower beautifully if it's a flowering shrub. It'll probably overflower to compensate for what is going to come later on. So it's important to assess your trees. It's important to deter them. The And I'm not, sometimes it's just rabbits. It also could be deer. So if you're in deer territory and everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's got deer and sometimes deer now are a little bit more displaced more into the city, they're eating a little bit more of your plants. So not only if it's the lower portion, but check upper. And when I'm saying the upper tree too, because how high did the snow go? Your vole damage is going to be low to the ground because they run under the snow. And if you had a four foot drift towards your apple trees, some of your damage may be at that four foot height. You got to take a peek That's right. It's great. Grab a cup of coffee after the show and go out to the yard and do a little bit of a walkabout and see how things are going. And as you mentioned that, as you're going out into the yard, you'll see it's amazing. Even with the cooler temperatures, even with that soggy ground, even with a little bit of snow on the ground, there are plants poking out of the ground. And I think with the kickoff of, uh, I think there's a lawn, uh, a gardening show here in Winnipeg at the convention center. So if you're headed out that way to start getting stimulated with gardening, and then you might want to follow up by visiting your local garden center, go and see what's happening. If you want a peaceful jaunt through, you will love your garden center, hit your favorite spot and see what's growing. And start to plan, start to plant the colors. A lot of the plants that are out there are starting to show a little bit of color in the garden center. And at the same time, if you're walking about, yes, some of the peonies are starting to pop up in some of the areas. Let's go right to the lines. Des is waiting for, and Des, I know you're from Glenora. Hi, how are you? Not bad, how about yourself? Very, very good. How can we help you on the Lawn Garden Journal? Uh, Just wondering if it's too late to trim trees yet. Like spruce trees or... Oh, okay. Pruning trees, you can still do a little bit of a pruning of trees, but there is kind of that uh, rule that you should be doing. Spruce trees, I'd say no. Uh, Spruce trees, I always call the Father's Day gift. You have to do that after the bud sets open and harden off at that point. So that's usually, uh, depending on the season, it could be mid-June. Okay. So, but um, other ones, and I love that you asked this question because while we're on our jaunts about, we may see some broken branches or some ones that are uh, rubbing against each other that are going to be opening up wounds. So this is a perfect time to do it. But I have to mention that there's certain trees that you should not do now because if you're expecting blooms on them, they should have been done in the fall. So, or right after their bloom, like lilacs normally are done right after they finish blooming okay so if you prune them now you're going to cut off this year's uh blooms is there a specific tree that other than the spruce that you were looking for 
not really, though. Well, there's another couple that have a broken branch, but I'm just going to cut them off anyway. So, so yeah, it was a, it's an artificial, or what do you call it? Not an apple tree, but a, just a flowering tree. Oh, like an ornamental crab and that kind of stuff? Right, right. Yeah. No, if... Here's the other thing. If the limb is broken and, and busted, I know that uh, um, some of the, in our area, some of the trees are dripping down and the, uh, the larger trucks like the recycling trucks and that unfortunately have damaged a few of the branching. So if that's an occurrence where a branch in the wind has broken or a branch has snapped, yes, you can do that probably at any time because it's best to get rid of anything that is broken because we don't want to attract disease and all that kind of stuff. But if it's general pruning, spruce is usually done in the summer, June, after the new growth has hardened off. And lilacs, you do after they bloom. And for, yeah, and for scythias, the same thing. For scythia, you don't want to be pruning that now because the for scythia, as soon as they get going, are going to look gorgeous because they flower first. Okay? And, of course, maples. You don't want to be pruning maples at this time either. Okay. Um, should you, should you prune right at the trunk or can you take off half a limb or is that a, is that a, is there any advantage to that? Well, you could take, you could take off, gen, like generally when we talk about pruning, you're allowed to take one third off. Like we like to see one third. If you're going to do a general pruning back of a tree or shop, you remove one third of a, of overall but from the top down right and if it's a larger limb and there's a broken portion of it you don't have to go all the way back to the main trunk if you look at the shaping of it you can take that limb back a bit to the where the broken part is you don't have to remove the entire limb okay yeah okay that was the other thing because i actually i pruned some off a spruce yesterday which i now i figure i shouldn't know but anyway well, uh, just, some, just, the bottom, just the bottom so I could get under with the lawnmower. Okay, okay. Well, sometimes we limb things up too. Like if you do that, if you notice though, if you've uh, done it now, you might get a little bit, uh, as soon as the the water starts pushing up into these trees, you might see a little bit of a, a sap running off of it and that kind of stuff on the spruce because it just opens that wounds a little bit that's on there. But uh, getting the lawnmower under there, yeah. And sometimes the lower branches do get browner on there, right? Yep, they were a little brown too, yep. Yeah, okay. All right. So we're you're right on track. So if it's a damaged limb, remove it. And if it's your flower spring flowering ones, uh, don't do them. Enjoy the blooms first, okay? <laughs> no, no, that's good. Okay, um, awesome. Happy gardening. Yes, you too, Des. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. And these are things that we kind of forget about. It's There's so much, like in the gardening world, it's like there are so many different aspects and scenarios and things to sort of relay the information. And pruning is one of them. And like I said, uh, if if you can do your smaller pruning, and I kind of... Um, you know, you always think about what the experiences that you've had. And I remember even on some shrubs, you can prune back some even harder. And the one general rule that I sort of had is the one-third. The one-third is the safe spot. I remember years ago, I always like sharing stories with you two as well. Uh, my old boss that I used to work for, 
uh, he visited one time, and here I had some old, scrubby, potent tillas that were probably 15 to 8 years old, and they were all bent over. It was the old Goldfinger variety, which were gorgeous in their prime. But here, these old, scraggly things were kind of like tumbleweeds pushed over. And lo and behold, I was shown at that point. He took this three-foot shrub and hacked it. Uh, yes. I'm going to use the word hacked because that's what I felt it was. We cut it back to about a foot high. And the potentilla, I thought, was done for. And lo and behold, I had the nicest looking potentillas. Not the first year of the flushback, but the second and third years. It was like they were rejuvenated. They were given new life, new energy. So this is other conversations that we have is that you can regenerate plants growth by tipping and tip cutting them back, pruning them out, opening them up, because if the branching and the thickness of trees and shrubs and even perennials, if they get too thick on their top canopy or yes, even on the bottom, but that'll be a different top. If we're too thick on top, A, sometimes we get Issues like your powdery mildews, which the Diablos and the Nine Barks are really noticed for. You need air circulation. And air circulation and air movement is a good prevention of diseases and also for bugs. Because that bug, if it's too tight and it's nicely sheltered, that's a great spot to stay and kind of, you know... Uh, grow a family, you know, that's we, air movement. Well, is does beautiful things by moving the air, opening things up, drying those leaves and allowing things to breathe naturally. So pruning is definitely a good thing to sort of get done and you can tip it back. Um, the other thing, this brings to mind a conversation that we've also had. Okay, I'm going to open up the world of hydrangeas. Do I take my old hydrangea heads off my plants now? Yes, you can. They look beautiful and we create this winter interest by leaving them up in the winter. But again, your hydrangeas, if they are mature hydrangeas, you can take back one third of them. Now you will see that they will tip out and flourish further from the bottom. And those seed heads that you're taking off, if they were undisrupted from the snow and they look like they're full blossoms, pom-pom, even if that grayish tones or that light tan tones, That makes a beautiful bouquet or a little bit of an accent on the kitchen table. Who knows? You've just become a little bit of a florist and had a little design aspect that way. So there's always the benefits of what you're doing. And, of course, if you have the pussy willow branches that are out there that are in your lot, and pretty soon they will be plumping up. And if you can do a little bit of snippets on some of your tips of your pussy willow branches, you'll enjoy those as beautiful stem work again on the table all right they're a little bit later this year normally we would have uh, trounced through some of our later uh, ponds here in some of our ditches to get to some of our willows and cut them off but they have not opened up yet I just tell you the little bit lateness of the season now I seem to be talking a lot here I'm going to give a little shout out the lines are open 1-800-374-3315 if you want to give me a shout otherwise Um, We talked about getting into the yard and cleaning up the doo-doo. All right, that's a task that can be done. We won't talk now about fixing the yard, but what I wanted to go back to was um, I've got some papers here, 
And we were going to talk about landscaping a bit because that becomes into a little bit of focus. And that could be a little portion of an area where that could be all the time of looking at things too. Now, if you were talking about doing a landscape, planning is the best. Whether you have a full mature yard right now or if you're looking at changing and moving things about, putting it to paper is probably the best. If you put it to it and do a little bit of a measurement of your yard is best. Key things to look at is mark on your plans your mature trees that you want to keep or that are existing. The other things that you want to look at is put your house down on your plan and monitor the direction of your sun. Because if you're looking at the monitoring of the direction of the sun, and you also have to take into mind, this is where I like to put it on a piece of paper, and I like to go out first thing in the morning. I like to go out at noon. I like to go out in the evening or late afternoon. And I kind of make notes if you know what's in the shade or in the sun at the different times. It's going to give you those clues as to what type of plants do best in those conditions. And don't forget, if you have a tall house on your west side, you have to note that as well. Now, other things and key locations that we look at when we're out there doing our little bit of designing and planning is look for low spots in the ground. Look for, yes, there are paths of which way your water goes through. Where are the downspouts? Where is the electrical? Because if you start digging, remember, always call for your services to get them marked before you dig, right? Call before you dig. That's very important. So start setting that tone for when you want to do your landscaping. I know that we talked briefly before about doing um, my little sheet, if you missed it last week. I like doing my plot plan of my property, and I love doing three seasons. I call it my three seasons of color on vellum or trace tracing paper and I always put a sheet down and I kind of color up what is in bloom in spring and on the second vellum or tracing paper what's in bloom in the summer and then a third one in fall so you could basically take out spring and you'll know what's going to be in color in fall and then in summer It gives you that aspect because the number one thing that we get when we're designing here for folks is I planted my garden, but I have no color at a certain time frame because perennials and trees and shrubs, it's knowing in tune to when they're in bloom and how they flower and their time frame. And sometimes there's little tricks about putting flowers in that you can either delay the bloom or encourage blooming. And that all depends on the sunshine and the heat that we're giving. So landscaping, yes. Planning, it could be a little bit of a fun part if you want to really get into it. And like I said before, if you plant it and you love it in that location, there's no wrong. You did it right because you love the location that it's in. The only part is if you put it there and it doesn't bloom as best as what you want, you may want to give it a little bit of a encouragement by putting it into a spot that it may favor more beautifully and give you a better umpa display of color. Now we're talking about flowers. 
with landscaping, you look at your trees and your shrubs, which is your foundation of your plants. Then you look at sort of your perennials aspect. And then you look at whether you're wanting vegetables. Now, the whole aspect about gardening and creating a a landscape plan is you have to look at areas. If you're a younger family, you could develop a plan early in stages and do the areas in stages. Maybe do the front yard garden beds first. Leave the backyard for the play structure and the soccer field for the kids to go through. Or you plan for that potential pool and patio. But at at least you know that you can start on your outer beds where you know that you want to put some of your bigger trees in and get that foundation started. If there's questions on landscaping, yep, pop by. Leave us a notes or call 1-800-374-3315 because we have a lot of information here. And I'm sure that you uh, there's a lot of good landscaping companies that are out there. And uh, if you need some services, you can call them. If you need some ideas, pop into your garden centers and they're full of ideas and, and areas that you can do. And make a list. I always say if you're coming in to look for a landscape plan, always make a list. What are my best colors? What do I like? What's the main purpose of my landscape? If I don't like yellow, make sure you let them know I don't like yellow. Thank you for calling, everyone. I'm sorry there were some people on the line. I missed the messages, so please call back next weekend. Uh, I don't know what happened here, but if you called and you didn't get through, I'd love to hear from you next week. Bye-bye, everyone.